So if you have your Bible, if you'd look with me at Luke chapter 19, Gospel of Luke chapter 19, even in an analog setting, you can just grab a book and flip there. Look at the table of contents, you can find it. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, beginning with verse 1. The heading reads, Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus and Zacchaeus. And as you find your place, let me say at the outset, I come this morning to celebrate celebrate with you a, a cultural marker in your church that, that you share with our family of churches around the globe. You, but you don't just share this cultural marker among you. You actually excel in it. I would even go as far as to say you have led us in it and our church in Orange has been the direct recipient of it. And that is generosity. You're a generous people. And, and right from the start, I'm going to be real clear, I'm not talking about money. You are generous. What, what makes you, your church, different than all the other good churches out there? You ever ask that question? What, what makes Sovereign Grace Church of Gilbert different than all the other good churches out there? And there are good, gospel-proclaiming churches out there, just as there are where, where, back where I come from. But, but what is it that sets you apart? And I, and I would say, because it sets you apart, has affected us as well. I want to lead you this morning to consider with me the grace of God that is at work in you in a marked way in your generosity. And I want to encourage you, as, as I know your pastors have encouraged you this month, to continue to give yourself away more. To be generous. That's acts of faith and trust in Jesus for His glory. His acts of worship. And before we get to the text, one, one more warning. There's a danger here. There's a danger here because it can be attractive. It can be really attractive to spend a lot of time thinking and talking about us. Right? Who we are. What we want to be. And quite honestly, this is, this is why I'm rather skeptical of, of, of the, the leadership, vision, mission, statement stuff that's out there in the broader church world these are there there are churches that read more leadership books than theological books there's churches that are more interested in in personality tests there's pastors more interested in personality tests than discipleship and biblical counseling recently i actually had a one of our interns help our pastoral team and do a survey of a a rundown on an academic paper that had been written by a pastor in Orange County who's well-known, very well-known for planting a lot of churches. A lot of churches, as uh, your pastor Rich said, uh, we have an ambition in Old Town Orange, if or any other reason, we're surrounded by like 17 million people. We have an ambition to plant lots of churches because there are a lot of neighborhoods that don't have gospel-proclaiming churches and congregations. And so in our effort to learn, we saw another brother and his churches that was that were planting, prolifically planting throughout the county, and we said, well, let's, let's read the paper, the academic paper. And this pastor very humbly and insightfully has yelled, uh, evaluated his efforts to plant churches. This is what he wrote. Listen, before we read our text. He wrote, we, he's evaluating himself, this group of churches, not us, we have an historic tendency to prepare church planters, leaders, and congregations to communicate a church model 
more skillfully than they communicate the message of Christ. He said, we, we have a historic tendency among their churches to prepare churches, the, the leaders and the members of the churches, to communicate their church model more skillfully than they communicate the message of Christ. And he says, which has had an adverse effect on the growth and health of our church plants. Couldn't see that from the outside, but when I read the paper, I started to look at the people I know in those churches and those brothers that we love and relate to, and said, oh, I, I see what he's saying. Very insightful. And listen, it's not like that among you. Not like that among you, Sovereign Grace Church of Gilbert. You, you are a generous church. You are generous because you have a historic tendency to emphasize the skillful communication and application of the message of Christ. And because of that, to plant churches, to do ministry, to be generous, to exhibit the fruit of, the results of, a skillful communication of the message of Christ. So this morning, I want you to feel the Lord's pleasure and, and approval as we consider again together the most generous man in the Bible and how he changed the trajectory of all of our lives. So would you look with me, Luke 19, very carefully. Read verse 1 and following. I'll read them pray. Follow along. Verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief collector, tax collector, and was rich. Verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to, to this house, since he is also the son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The very words of God, would you join me in a brief prayer for understanding? Father, this morning, no complaints as we sit in a room full of friends and family, brothers and sisters in the Lord who, in some ways, we have more affinity and connection with than we do with even our own biological families and our friends and neighbors in the city. Lord, thank You for bringing us here. No one's here by mistake. And I pray You would ignite in us, renew in us a great love and appreciation and wonder at Your generosity towards us, what You have done for us and are doing for us and will do for us. And that would overflow from us then. 
towards our fellow man. So much to learn, so much to grow. Lord, send your spirit that no one would leave the room the same. Do your work on us. For your glory, for our good, pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I, got, I got to thinking recently, this, this might be my favorite Bible story. I don't know about you. don't know if you have a favorite one. Uh, Noah's up there for me. It's a, it's a battle between Noah and the flood and, and Jesus and Zacchaeus. But, but, but at least in the New Testament, I think this is my favorite Bible story. Although, although I haven't been one for having a favorite Bible verse or a life verse. I don't know for you. Like it's the same with tattoos. I tell people all the time, they ask me, do I have a tattoo? Do I have some tats? And I'm like, no, because I can't decide. I can't decide what is worth making my, my life verse or my, my favorite verse. And half the time I see friends and they got Greek words on their arm or something like that. And I think, oh man, I took Greek. Shoot, I forgot what that means. And I got to ask them. So I've been playing it safe. I'm uh, unmarked at this point. But, but this story never grows old. Never grows old for me. Always makes me smile. And I wasn't a church kid, but especially the old children's song, if you know it, you could sing along. I'm not going to sing, but, but you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Tree, yeah, for the Lord he wanted to see. Not so good, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to sing. I want you to see Jesus, <laughs> but not today. <laughs> Listen, it, this is what I, what I, it, it's, it's funny how we can turn almost anything into a cute little nursery rhyme. Funny, I find this story really makes me smile when I finally, I feel like, I finally the light bulb went off after years of reading the Gospel of Luke and the light bulb went off and funny because there's nothing cute about Zacchaeus. Have you, have you ever thought about this there's nothing cute about Zacchaeus Zacchaeus listen listen for the uninformed you may you might have been reading your bible your whole life listen up Zacchaeus was indeed a wee little man and a wee little man was he but that's where the historically accurate depiction of Zacchaeus and this situation ends for see listen Zacchaeus was also he'd be like a governmentally government sanctioned kingpin of a Brutal, heartless Roman tax cartel. Hated and feared, loathed by everyone who had the unfortunate opportunity to pass through the region of Jericho. Zacchaeus was, and I'll use this word purposely, filthy rich. Zacchaeus was filthy rich. He had a, he had a squad of goons who watched and sh- did shakedowns within Jericho. So- soldiers who were... It, 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 Extorting every last penny out of the citizens trapped under Roman occupation. He was a Jewish traitor in a Jewish land. A thief. The, the, the system around there was that he had a quota to meet. He would take so much taxes in and then everything above that was commission. And apparently, Zacchaeus was really good at collecting taxes and had lots of commissions he was a jewish traitor among his own people a thief you know what Zacchaeus, you know you know why zacchaeus knew jesus was passing through jericho have you ever thought about this he didn't read it on facebook he, he it didn't get an alert on his phone maybe it was because he had lookouts that kept watch on the foot traffic flowing in and out of the city to alert him possibly 
so he wouldn't miss an opportunity to defraud another person. How cute, right? You know why he had to climb the sycamore tree? You know why he had to climb the sycamore tree? Well, of course he was a wee little man. But perhaps he didn't have a single friend who would make room for him so he could stand at the front and watch Jesus go past. Isn't that what we do? We all have a short friend, don't we? Right? We get them up to the front. You're at a parade. You put your kids at the front. Zacchaeus had nobody to give him some space at the front. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. In fact, he was the chief tax collector. And, and it's, it's funny, even his name, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means, it means innocent and clean. There was nothing innocent or clean about Zacchaeus. He was a government-sanctioned, you might think today, like a Somali pirate with pockets full of dirty money who climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Zacchaeus got more than he bargained for that day. And I would, I would say the same for you and I as well who have seen the Lord. Much has been said about Zacchaeus's initiative to seek after Jesus. That's what the song is about. The extraordinary lengths that Zacchaeus took. How he ran, right? He, he ran, which was totally inappropriate for a person of his wealth and stature in the ancient world. Totally inappropriate for me to run. If you saw me running, it would be totally inappropriate at this point. But verse 4, look with me. He runs. So he ran, verse 4 said, on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way there has been much sung about his seeking after jesus and rightfully so but here's the deal here's the deal if this story is about zacchaeus i don't know how i miss this all the time but if this story is about zacchaeus and his seeking after jesus and his giving away the half of everything that he had to the poor and paying restitution above and beyond, way above and beyond what the law required, then this story is just about a wee little man, right? A wee little rich man who did what wee little rich men do when their conscience gets the best of them. You meet a good man, and you need to find a way to rid yourself of guilt. And so you rid yourself of a little of your money maybe under the cover of charity. This story, Zacchaeus, isn't about Zacchaeus. It's about Jesus. I don't know how I missed this. I don't know if you've missed this. I, I, I miss this. It's about Jesus and how Jesus saves Zacchaeus and transforms Zacchaeus as he did you and I into people who are like Jesus. And in this story, generous. What was Zacchaeus looking for when he climbed up into that tree? I want to answer that question this morning. Second question, what did he find? And then a third, why did he give all his money away? What was Zacchaeus looking for? Number one, first question, what was Zacchaeus looking for? Verse 3, if you'd look with me again. Carefully read this. Watch what it says. And 
And he, Zacchaeus, was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. What was Zacchaeus looking for? Was he looking for salvation? Was he... Was salvation from what? He, he might not have known what he was looking for, except for that it says he was looking to see who Jesus was. Now here's where I get on too familiar with the story again. Maybe Jesus, maybe Zacchaeus was a bad man, curious about another man passing through his territory, his turf. At this point, we know in the story, in the plot line, lots of rumors swirling around this Jesus, maybe. Maybe Jesus is a revolutionary. Maybe he would upset the Roman occupation. Could he be the Messiah? Maybe Zacchaeus didn't climb the tree because he so desperately wanted a piece of Jesus, and instead he was concerned that this Jesus was going to threaten his tax fraud pyramid scheme. What, what were you looking for when you climbed up into your proverbial sycamore tree? I'm not sure what you were seeking, but I know what I wasn't looking for. Like Zacchaeus, I wasn't looking for, for an opportunity to sign over my checkbook. right? I wasn't seeking a charity to donate my time to. When someone proclaimed the Gospel to me the first time where I was really listening to it, had been invited to an evangelistic Halloween service, it was crazy. I, I, was, I wasn't hoping as I listened to the Gospel and saw Jesus for the first time and was listening that there was some way that I could surrender my dreams and aspirations and ambitions and preferences for someone else or something bigger than myself. I was at best at the start a taker, an opportunist looking to receive. Not to give. <laughs> Justice, listen, I heard the Gospel the first time when I truly heard it and saw the Lord. Justice and generosity weren't high on my list of priorities. How about you? I, I don't think for Zacchaeus either. We, we are by default, we are by default takers, not givers. We're takers, not givers. We're hoarders, not donors. By default, we, we keep, we store, we save, we protect, we hide, right? We invest in things that will provide the kinds of returns that we're looking for. Where we send our resources outward, it's that we expect something to come back to us rather than sharing and giving away with no expectation of ever being mentioned or noticed. And again, I, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about money, not yet. We are, by nature, consumers, collectors, squeezing the margin out of everyone who passes through our Jericho. Like Zacchaeus, we are tax collectors by default. You actually get, no, get the impression that no one was impressed with Zacchaeus. right? No one's impressed with Zacchaeus. No one was like, whoa, this guy's turned a new leaf. Look, verse 5. 
And, and, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him, received the Lord joyfully. And when they saw it, the crowd saw what was going on. Remember the people that were afraid of him, didn't like him, that he had been defrauding and stealing from. Right? When they saw it, they all grumbled. They didn't rejoice, they grumbled. Why? He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It's curious, very curious. Six times Luke, the doctor, right, in his book here, in the Gospel of Luke, he mentions tax collectors six times. And each time he mentions them, these people who are the outcasts, the traitors, the hated ones, the ones no one respected, the guys with the dirty money, every time he refers to them positively. Just the opposite of what you would expect. Zacchaeus was a little rat of a man. A bad man. Who it's safe to say didn't have the best of intentions when he climbed up into that sycamore tree. And this is why the story's not about him. Just like our stories aren't about us. This is why the story's not about him. His story right here, is about to be eclipsed by the main character. The truly generous one in the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Who has been running out ahead of Zacchaeus all along. Not not the other way around. Question number two. What did Zacchaeus find? What did Zacchaeus find? He found the most generous man who has ever lived. I, I don't know how many times I, as I studied this text, and I was, this was part of a series in our church there, and it just got to me, and I started reading, and then seeing this, and with the help of, well, I always know original ideas here, with the help of others, and then started catching all the people who kept saying, Zacchaeus is the most generous man in the Bible. Zacchaeus is the most generous man in the Bible. Look what he did. And then just slowly the light comes on and you realize, oh no, there's someone more generous in this story. And it's Jesus. Consider the transaction occurring here, right? Don't get distracted by his stature and the species of the tree. Oh, consider the transaction that is occurring here. The gift and of of a union and fellowship with, we're going to see, an an adoptive love, a caring, generous, gracious, merciful, sin-forgiving, gracious generosity. Jesus offers Himself to Zacchaeus. We're, We're impressed with Zacchaeus giving half of His wealth to the poor, Jesus goes home with Zacchaeus. Why is this so special? Listen, because this one, the other one in the story, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has lived in perfect union and harmony by His very nature, the God-man Himself. You, you can't outspend this kind of transaction. It's been no match for what Zacchaeus is going to offer. 
You can't outgive this one. You can't be more benevolent than this one. You have the best man, the best man, the, the best man who has ever lived in the history of humanity, giving himself personally to the worst man, the bad man. You can't be more self sacrificing than this. What do we know about him, this Jesus? That, that he and he alone is the creator of all things. That he and he alone is the Lord of all things. That everything belongs to him. The half that Zacchaeus is about to give to the poor, Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus and you and I, we live in his sandbox. Whatever we have is only that which he has given. Earning things, I don't know about you, but whatever's in your bank account, whatever you possess, all your assets, your friends, you just collect everything that's good in your life. The idea that you have earned these things is an illusion. God gives and God takes away. And most of it doesn't make any sense. There's whole books written in the Bible like this, like Ecclesiastes. He says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other. They're both by his design. He writes, there is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. Good guy. Never made it. Writer Ecclesiastes, there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. A bad guy who does really well, like Zacchaeus. Nothing is is as it appears. All of it is the result of the generosity of God. Of your health, your friendship to your piety, to your faith, God gives. God gives. Is is this not, watch, is this not the main proposition of the story, the main point of Jesus and Zacchaeus? Look look at the end of the story, the punchline. Verse 10. This is in the story of Zacchaeus. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Ask yourself, in this story, this familiar story, who's looking for who? Who's looking for who? It looked like Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. But now we learn God has been looking for Zacchaeus. Nothing teaches us about generosity, true generosity, more than staring down the Savior and seeing what He has done and His, in particular, generous heart to save Zacchaeus' tax collectors like you and I. The, The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he writes, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, this sounds familiar. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, tax collectors, Zacchaeuses, Christ died for I don't know why. I can't explain it. But this is in my heart. Our default position, I'm assuming it's yours as well. Your default position 
is as humans to see Jesus, the Lord, as not generous. Not generous. In fact, that's what the next parable is all about. Don't, don't, you don't need to look there right now, but make a note. Read it later. It's a fascinating story. Read it later. A familiar one. But listen, the servant in that next parable, the one out of the three that gets God wrong, this is what he says. This is right after Zacchaeus. I was afraid of you. Servant speaking to God. I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He couldn't be more wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. And so would we. If not for this glimpse of Jesus. Everything I have and everything I am. Everything you have, everything you are, from the breath in your lungs to your family, to your friends, any talents you have, any wins you have scored, any victories, and especially your relationship with the Lord Himself. If you have seen Christ, and if you've had a Zacchaeus moment, everything through the mediation of the Son as your priest, it's all grace. It's generous. It's God being a giver. And what does He give? He gives Himself. (laughs) You, You and I, because of the generosity of God, characterized by the grace of God and the mercy of God, you and I have what everyone else wants. Whether they know it or not, we have experienced that which is of highest value we've been singing about it all morning long a relationship with our creator a a reconciling exchange and transaction resulting in the most amazing demonstration of generosity in our text this morning for Zacchaeus and for you and I verse 9 Jesus said to him Zacchaeus Today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Behold the most generous man in the Bible. The most generous man who has ever lived. So let me add that third question. So then, why? Why would Zacchaeus give away half as well and go crazy paying people back far beyond what the scriptures require why did he give away why was he so generous if you'd look with me verse 8 there it is again why did he Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord why behold Lord I the half of my goods I give to the poor And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Was it for salvation? Was it to earn the favor of Jesus? And my answer is no. No. Couldn't couldn't buy Jesus off. There's a a note, if if you notice here, there's a note of formality 
actually, in what Zacchaeus says, which fits the important announcement that Zacchaeus is about to make. He proceeds in our text to give a striking evidence, a testimony. He, he becomes a witness of what Jesus has done in him internally now, working, himself out, working itself out in his life immediately by announcing. That's what he's doing. He's not just giving away. He's announcing the gift of half his wealth for the poor and fourfold restoration to any that he defrauded. Where, where voluntary rest, rest, restitution was made in the, uh, the law required no more than... The amount plus one-fifth, 20%. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus isn't paying anyone back. He's rejoicing in the generosity he has received. What motivated Zacchaeus to do such an extravagant thing? God's generosity. Not his guilt. God's generosity. And, and, and we need to note at this moment here, this is most important for us, at this moment, the only difference between our generosity and all the other generosity out there, and I don't know about in Gilbert here, I would assume it's the same in Phoenix as it is in Orange County and in Los Angeles. There are plenty of people who are very generous. They're giving and giving and giving. And I'm trying to just capture a little bit of it at some point here. Uh, but they're giving and giving. And there's a lot of money thro- being thrown around. But their motivation and my motivation are very different. The distinct mark of the people of God isn't that we're necessarily generous, but that our generosity is motivated by God's generosity towards us that's in a nutshell why did Zacchaeus get up and announce to the world that he was giving it all away it's because when he met Jesus and Jesus gave himself to him it changed the way he thought about handling his money changed the way he thought about handling his life and his business he started doing what we read in acts 20 where it says it's more blessed to give than to receive or second corinthians 9 where the apostle paul says each one must give as he decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver the the motive to be a generous person is that it expresses and expands our delight and joy in god we give and i'm still not talking about money When we meet the most generous man who has ever lived, we have a revolutionary change in our thinking and discover that the pursuit of our deepest joy and satisfaction is no longer in getting things, keeping things, hiding things from our friends. I got, I got a bunch of teens in my house. I got four teens in my house, but I feed like 15 teens in my house because all their friends come over and they raid and they even call me up and Mr. Turbetsky, what'd you eat for dinner? I'm thinking about stopping by. (laughs) So I hide the food in the other fridge in the garage. 
The good food, at least. Because they, no joke, last week, a single guy, I love him. He's always eating at our house, young teen guy. He, he asked me, the food had been put away, most of it had been put away, and he, he was, I saw him looking around, and I'm sitting on the couch just waiting to see what would happen, and he comes over and says, hey, where'd all the meat go? <laughs> like, I think they put it away. I won't use his name. And he goes, oh, where'd they put it? <laughs> Party's over, man. <laughs> go home. <laughs> you can have some salad, whatever you want. <laughs> But we discover when we meet Jesus that our deepest joy is found not in getting and keeping and hoarding and hiding and investing, but rather in giving. Why? Because as we give in response to God's generosity, we live like Jesus is. We become like him, disciples. You you know what that's like. You know what it's like to give yourself to something. You might have grumbled a little and held back a little. You got time on your schedule. It's the one night you can, you know, cruise through Netflix finally catching up on whatever. Like we're working on Downton Abbey right now. I don't know when did that end in the nineties, and I still keep getting interrupted. But you got got Downton Abbey or whatever your show is, don't tell me what happens in any other show because I'll get there before I retire and my kids move out. But at that moment when I get that text, hey, we're in the neighborhood, can we swing on by? Just say hi. And I'm thinking, oh, I was just about to hit the remote or whatever it is or read my book. And say, but this will be better. When I sit on the porch, my wife and I with a friend, and we give ourselves to them. And we enjoy it. They are served in our generosity. But now I know that my deepest joy and pleasure comes in giving and not getting. There's, there's definitely, we'll call it a counterfeit generosity. I'm guilty of it. I don't know about you. A counterfeit generosity. I was reading an author recently that I, uh, a contemporary guy, Trevin Wax, He writes, this is what he writes, and I I adapted it for myself. He said, it's possible to talk about grace and still be a legalist, right? Talk about grace a lot, but still be legalistic. And he says, it's possible to talk about Jesus and still be self-centered, right? And he says, it's possible to talk about guests and still be unwelcoming. And I added to the end that it's possible, it's possible to give and not be generous. For without Jesus, our generosity, this counterfeit generosity, is just another form of taking. I'll give a little out because then it'll make me feel better. But we can give, and you can give, and not be generous. But if your generosity results, springs from the generosity you have received from God Himself, then your generosity becomes worship. And there's nothing... Listen, you you can't lose. You can't can't lose with giving. You You can't lose with giving. And I'm still not talking about money. 
Listen, money is cheap. <laughs> Want to talk about an easy way to be generous? Write a check. I know this may sound to you like I don't have any money. That would be really hard. But anything. Drop the widow's mite into the can. Much harder for me to give up my evening or my Saturday morning to move my friends. That's why I sold my truck. I'm done with that. <laughs> Get a rent a U-Haul. Goodness. <laughs> right? Yeah, everybody's getting rid of their trucks. <laughs> when I experience and I've met, I've had my Zacchaeus moment. I've met the most generous man. Oh, now, now I can serve. Now I can share my heart with others. I can share affections and enjoy a relationship that, that, that I might be guarded with otherwise because I don't know what they're going to do with it. I could share my time. I could share my home. I could share my food. I could share my car. I could share my life. I could share my job, my career. Share my money. I could give. Listen, here's what I know about you. Watched you from afar for 20 some years. There's seven. I know seven other churches in the western United States that watch you closely because they're family and they enjoy you and they respect you and they learn from you. Listen, you esteem generosity. We see it. It's affected our church. I'm only going to encourage you that you don't hold back. I don't know about you, but I I, I build fences around things. I, I guard things. Like I said, I put the good stuff in the back fridge where no one knows to look. Have, have you fenced off some area of your life? Some sort of reserve? A little extra time for yourself? <laughs> a little extra work so you could have a little more money for yourself? A little group of friends? And this is a temptation for me because my friends, my temptation is to use them for my own entertainment purposes only and I enjoy my friends. Have you, have you been welcomed in by the generosity of God and invited into this family and then made a little, a little patio courtyard for just me and a couple people that entertain me? Are your neighbors a problem more than they are a blessing? And so I drive my car into the garage and close the door and I don't, Make sure I don't bump into them again. You, you can't lose. Risk, as John Piper says, risk is right. It appears risky for us to give and give and give and to be generous and generous and generous because if I give and I give and I give and I give my time now and I spend time with my family and I don't spend time with my family now because I'm spending time with this person who I've spent time with week after week and they don't seem to be making any progress or change and they're not entertaining me what will i do will i have enough time for my family how will my family do how will my bank account do will i have enough for retirement will my career advance so that i am safe and secure into my older age listen risk is right you can't lose you can't lose by giving yourself away for 
your deepest joy is found in fellowshipping with the most generous man who gave everything for us. For those of you who know Christ, all your sins are forgiven. A future secure. But he's done more than that. You have him. The most generous thing he could do. And like him. And like you have. And my encouragement to you all the more. Give yourself to each other. And to this city. For his glory. That his gospel might go forth. That others might have their Zacchaeus moment like you and I. Can I pray for you? Pray with me. Father, thank You for Your words preserving this story, this man Zacchaeus who we wouldn't know otherwise, and this interaction with Jesus. Thank You for sending Him. Jesus, thank You for coming, seeking and after and searching for and looking for us. How rejoice in Your work in us and our great salvation. And Father, I pray it would now have its intended effect on us that we would join Jesus in being the most generous of people. That others would join us in worshiping You. Do this, we pray, for Your glory. Amen. Amen.